we continue to go through our series, Developing a Mature Faith, James chapter 3. One of the things that I love about James is that in his writings, you can tell that he has really bathed his brain in wisdom literature. He has really familiar with the Proverbs, with the Song of Solomon, the uh, Ecclesiastics. He's really familiar with those types of writings. Another thing we can also tell about James is that he's very familiar with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, as throughout he is using similar language that, that Christ used in that, in that sermon. And today we get to James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18, where James is forthright in these verses with this subject. and does a great job to clearly communicate his point. James chapter 3. Verse 13 through 18. When you get there, say, I'm there. Amen. Amen. We will read, starting at verse 13. James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vow practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is shown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. May God add a blessing to the hearers and the fears of his word. Amen. You may be seated in the name of Jesus. Today we want to talk from the topic of the subject, uh, simply how heavenly wisdom shames human wisdom. How heavenly wisdom shames humanly or human wisdom. Amen. How God's wisdom shames the world's wisdom. Morgan Scott Peck has a worldview that I definitely disagree with. I believe that he's wrong on a number of different levels, but in his book, The Road Less Travel, he does open up with three words that I wholeheartedly agree with, and three words that you probably wholeheartedly agree with. He starts off and he simply says, life is difficult. Amen. True words. <laughs> Life is difficult. And James, in James chapter 3, verse 1 through 12, gives us great reason. He, he helps us to understand why life is difficult. And one of the reasons why life is difficult is because of our human nature. Specifically, it is difficult for us to tame our tongue. Amen. He shows that one of the greatest difficulties about life is us to be able to hold back our words and use our words not for the building up of Satan's kingdom, but rather for the building up of God's kingdom. And he does a great job in these 12 verses that we have in, in explaining and showing why and how and what makes it so difficult. And then we see James in the next five verses showing us the key not only to taming the tongue, but the key to living a life that is fruitful for God. He shows us the key to, to finding rest in Christ, the key to finding joy, the key to living radical for Christ, the key to building a strong family for Christ. And he, he shows us that the key to pleasing God is found in one word. That is wisdom. That is wisdom. But James does something very 
unique here, something that we may not always think, think about. He shows us that, that there are really two types of wisdom when we talk about wisdom. He shows us that even a, a, a fool, by, by God's standards, still has a type of wisdom. And the two types of wisdoms that James is comparing and contrasting here in this text is human wisdom versus heavenly wisdom. Human wisdom. In verses 14 through 16, James shows us what human wisdom looks like. And then in verses 17 through 18, James shows us what heavenly wisdom looks like. And God this morning, he wants us to reflect upon our lives and to be able to decipher and to look at our own lives and to say, am I walking in heavenly wisdom? The wisdom that is from above, the wisdom that comes from God, or am I walking and living in human wisdom? For the two are in great contrast. The two really don't mix well. In order for us to, to meditate on this, in order for us to answer this question, we must go to the text. And I love how James starts this text off. He starts this text off by asking a question. And the question is, who is wise and understanding among you? He asks listens to this question. Who who has wisdom? Who is wise and understanding among you? Now, as we look at this text, if we were to be able to see it in the Greek, we'll see that James is not really talking about two different things. He's not trying to separate wisdom and understanding here. In the Greek, we'll see that this word understanding is, this is the only time that it's used in the New Testament. And this Greek word is very closely, in fact, uh, almost identical to the Greek word Sophia here for wisdom. So he's not throwing two different things and saying who is one thing and who is another, but rather he is using synonyms in order to, to really press home a point. And the point is this, he's asking who is wise, who has true wisdom among you? What is a wise person? What does that look like? What does a person who has understanding look like? And James and looking at this word wise, looking at the word wisdom, what James is communicating is, is that true wisdom is a person who is navigating through, through life skillfully applying God's knowledge to their everyday living. I'm going to say that again. True wisdom. A person that has true wisdom is a person that navigates or goes through life Applying God's knowledge to everyday circumstances or situations. So James is asking the question, he says, who is skillfully applying God's word to your life? <laughs> who is, is able to do this? Who is wise and understanding among you? Now, I believe that if we were to go to most of our associates and most of our friends and ask them this question, mostly everyone would say, I am. Tell the truth. Even if you can, could, could think about right now the most foolish person you know, the person that you would just consider just a knucklehead, just think about the, the hard, most hard-headed person you know. Somebody just said, well, Pastor, I don't have to think too hard. They're sitting right, right next to me. <laughs> Amen. I know that's not what y'all saying. Amen. But think about this person. If you were to ask them, are you wise, most people would look at themselves and their lives, even if their life has a trail of just horrible horrible decisions and say I'm wise <laughs> and the Proverbs attested that in Proverbs chapter 12 and 15 the Proverbs says that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes everyone thinks that they have wisdom everyone thinks that they have a, a, that they are skillful at applying God's knowledge to their lives or at least they would lead us to believe that 
And James is dealing with, uh, with the church, these, these Jews who are dispersed throughout the nations. And as he's getting reports about the way that their services are going and how there's tension and quarrels and fights among them, he's saying, wait a minute. For you all to be so quick to always talk and so quick to always have a word, you sure do a lot of arguing, arguing who really is wise, who really is skillfully applying the word of God. Who really has experienced this divine wisdom? As we read throughout the Old Testament, we see that this is really a theme. And I think that this theme is is really clearly uh, pictured in the book of Judges. And we know that the Judges were an interesting set of people who God empowered to, to lead Israel when Israel was without a king. And as we read throughout the book of Judges, we see that one of the themes of the book of Judges, as we read in chapter 17 and 21, is that people were doing what was right in their own eyes. Or they were living according to to, to what they thought was true wisdom. Which really baffles me because as I look at the book of Judges, we know that whenever a judge was not in control over Israel, that people were doing some foolish things, some horrific things, some some horrible things. See, human wisdom tells us that that we are right, we human beings, that that we are right as long as we are right in our own eyes and we live in a a postmodern world, a a world that says that, that truth is relative. That there is no one truth. That your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And that you can't impede your truth on my truth. You do what you do and I do what I do. And we're both right. <laughs> well, the Bible tells us that that's, that's false, that's foolish thinking. There is only one truth and that is God's truth. Which is revealed In God's word. True wisdom is understanding that God's wisdom is far superior than than man's wisdom. It's understanding that if I don't have God's wisdom in my life, no matter how wise I think I am, that I'm really a fool. Some people think they're wise because they look at their life and they evaluate their lives. And at the end of the day, they conclude, I'm doing all right. They step outside of their house and they look behind them and they see that that they have a nice home with a a white fence and a a nice dog. they, They start their car up and they think to themselves, I've made a great living for myself. And They go to work and they go throughout their business and throughout their lives. And and if you were to ask them, how did you get to where you are? You will say, well, I I just chose to live wisely. And a lot of us, when we look at people and when we see what they have accumulated, the wealth that they have accumulated, the lifestyle that they are living without ever really asking ourselves, are they skillfully navigating through life by applying God's word to their everyday situations without even thinking about that? We automatically look at what they've done in life and we say they were wise. Luke chapter 12, Jesus is asked a, a question by a a brother, and he asked Jesus a question. He says, Jesus, would you please tell my brother to share his inheritance with me? Please tell him to to let me have some of his inheritance. And and listen to how Jesus responds. He responds with a, a parable, and the parable that he says is this. He says, take care and be on guard against all covetous, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Now to a lot of us, that seems wise, right? Okay, you're prosperous, you're doing well. 
You have a big barn already and you notice that God has really blessed you. So you say, well, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to tear down this barn and, and, and build a bigger barn. So I can store all of my, my, my goods in there. A lot of us, this is wise. This, that's a good investment. Jesus, in telling this parable, many of us would expect that his next words would be, you wise man. <laughs> you really nailed it. That's what you should do. You should tear down your barn and build a big one. That is, that is genius. But that's not how Jesus responds. He responds by actually saying the exact opposite. The Bible goes on to say that Jesus in verse 20 says, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? God called this man who was living his life to store up goods for himself. To save as much as he can. To re retire early so he can tour the world. He, he told this man, he said, you fool. You fool. He says, tonight <laughs> your life is required. Many people think that they are wise because of something that they have achieved in their lives. We, we walk around as if wisdom is, is measured by what we can obtain, a, a material possession. We look at people who may be driving that Mercedes-Benz or that 745 BMW which I do like if there is a car in heaven. And God said, I can drive anyone, amen. Because I know he's going to keep me humble in driving it, amen, brothers. I don't want it down here on earth, amen. I don't want it down here on earth, amen. People already got the wrong stigma of pastors as it is, amen. I'm fine with my, all right, amen. But in heaven, amen. I say, God, now you're not going to call me a fool after I drive this, are you? Not setting me up, are you? Amen. But many of us, we look at people who have obtained these things and we think they're so wise. They, they're so smart. They have navigated through life skillfully. They have applied the necessary principles that they need. They are successful. I just want to be successful. Huh? But God is saying that true wisdom is not based upon what we possess. True wisdom is to be measured by first who we possess. A truly wise person is a person who lays up their treasures in heaven, is a person that understands that we are pilgrimers, sojourners through this world, exiles to this world, and that our resources, our mind, our hearts, and our gifts, the things that have been given for us should be used first and primarily to glorify God and to build his kingdom. Now, that's not a message you will catch on cable TV. The world tells us that true wisdom is in status, it's in degrees, but God says true wisdom is in the degree in which we love his son. Then James goes on and says, by his good conduct, let him show his work in the meekness of wisdom. By his true conduct, let him show his good works in the meekness of wisdom. So James asked the question, who is wise among you? Who has understanding? Who is able to skillfully navigate through life by using God's knowledge for everyday situations? And then he takes us to the next point. He says, the person who is, is not the person who's going to stand up and say, I am. But rather, they are the person whose life gives a testimony of it. He says, by his good conduct, NIV, by his good living. He says, let him show his works. Now, this goes back to James 
And a major theme that we see in James, especially laid out in verses 14 through 26, and it's this, is faith without works is dead. James, once again, is pointing away from talking, away from saying, I've arrived, away from saying, oh, poor child, I'm sorry that you don't have, and then walking away saying, God bless you, be warm to be filled. He's saying, no, we're going away from that. True maturity in the faith is when we can, when we don't have to talk, when we don't have to boast and brag about what we've done, but when we can live in a meek and humble way and other people can look and say, now that's true wisdom. Says in the meekness of wisdom. Meekness is not a word that too many of us look forward to hearing someone else call us. We want people to see us and to call us strong. We want them to see us and, and think of us as, as intelligent. We want them to see us as, as great speakers and great, great teachers. But, 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 the, but the quality, one of the main qualities that we should desire is that when people look at us is that they will see a meek person. NIV, a, a humble person, a person who has chosen to make themselves low. Jesus was often throughout the Gospels and even throughout the, the writings of the prophets described as a meek and lowly person. Meekness means gentleness. Fact. In Jesus' most popular sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, we see what we know as the B attitudes. And we learn this in Sunday school and when we were a child, some of us have put it to a song and, and memorized it. And we see the Beatitudes as just a cute exposition, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Bless God. The Beatitudes isn't just a cute exposition. The Beatitudes is an exposition of warfare. Anybody that's living the Christian life know that it's not easy to be poor in spirit. It's not always easy to, to humble ourselves to the fact that we are weeping and crying over our sin and saying, God, I can't help myself. Help me. It's not easy to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And then the Bible says in the Beatitude, blessed are those who are meek, for they shall one day inherit the earth. It's not easy to be meek. Meekness is, is something that comes about by one staying in the face of God and one deciding that this life is, is not my own, Father God, and to you I give it back. It's not easy being meek because people who are generally meek, other people take that as weakness. In fact, meekness, the most Greeks thought of, of meekness as, 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 as controlled power. And we hear it said all the time, meekness isn't weakness, but it's just controlled strength. And, and you know and I know that folk will take advantage of you if they do sense <laughs> some weakness. But as Christians, we have to see this, this meekness that God calls us to is not a frailty, it's not a, a timidity, it's not a, 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 a scaredness, it's not us living fearful, but it's us understanding that I can love you, I can pour my life into you, and if you take advantage of that, I'm not going to have to defend myself, God will defend me. It's like a, a little boy going to school, being picked on by other little boys, who knows that at the end of the day, I don't have to fight, because I've got a big brother at home who's coming to pick me up after school. I'm able to love you to be who God has created me to be without worrying about the consequence because I ultimately know that this battle, <laughs> this battle is not mine, it's the Lord's. James is saying, by his good works, let him, let him conduct himself with the weakness, the meekness of, of wisdom. 
Now, this is directly in contrast to verse 14. A person who has heavenly wisdom is a person who is meek, is a person who is humble, a person who is not prideful, a person who has human wisdom is a person who, look at verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. A, A person who has human wisdom is a person that is completely the opposite. They are a person who is very proudful. They are a person who is not meek. They are a person who is constantly finding themselves defending themselves because they're defending their own honor and their own glory. Heavenly wisdom and human wisdom is completely different. And in the church, we need to be able to recognize when we are not operating in heavenly wisdom, when we have bitter, je- bitter jealousy, that word bitter along with the word jealousy in, in the Greek was often used to talk about water that, that no one wanted to drink, that word bitter there, water that no one wanted to drink. They're, they're the type of person who, who no one really wants to step on their toes because they are a bitter person and they, they are, are, are very selfish and they have selfish ambition. And the people who are not in Christ, people who are not operating in in heavenly wisdom and God's wisdom are people who have selfish ambition, people who are living for themselves and for their own glory. I observed an interview recently of a very prosperous family who are actors and musicians and they were on a television show and they were sitting on the couch And the person that was interviewing them was just so intrigued with every word that they had to say. Just, oh, you guys are so wise. That is just great. You would have thought that they was just reading scripture to the person. And and I'm just looking and thinking that is so self-motivated. Everything that they said, the the very thing that was driving them to be successful was, was them receiving glory. Oh, yes, when we do go out to shoot a movie, when we go out to do music, we do our very best because we want people to be inspired by us and to see us as great. And then we want them to be able to walk away from our greatness and then aspire to be great themselves. Walk away from our greatness? The interviewer was, oh, that's just beautiful. Is that not the motive of the world? Is that not what's being pushed on television, be great, in order that others would see your greatness? As a Christian, we're not called to do things in order that people would see us. We're called to do things. We're called to conduct ourselves in such a way that people, when they see us do it, they almost ignore us. That's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Did he not? Let your light so shine that men would see your good works, that they would see your good conduct, that they would see your wise living. And and what is the result of this? Oh, but they may glorify your God, your Father in heaven. In heaven. A person who has received human wisdom is a person who is living for themselves. A person who has received heavenly wisdom is a person who wants to glorify God. And that type of person is often called something. Can anybody guess what they're called? A Christian. (laughs) A Christian is a person who, who says, I give up myself. I give up who I am. I give up my ambitions. I I give up my selfish dreams that was going to glorify me and make me happy. I give it up for a greater pleasure, for a greater joy. I give it up in order that I may know Christ and Christ crucified. I give it up to say, Lord, you can have me. You can use me any way that you want to use me as long as you are glorified. They're a person who has a right perspective of God. They're a person who has truly experienced the love of Christ, the love of God. They have experienced the forgiveness that God gives and they say, oh, I am not worthy of this experience. I'm not worthy of this love. I'm not worthy of this forgiveness. I'm not worthy of this joy. 
joy that surpasses all understanding and peace. I am not worthy, God. I don't deserve this praise. I don't deserve any glory. I am a, a filthy rag in your presence. But God, I know someone who does deserve it. And it's you. You deserve it. So I'm going to live my life to glorify you and not myself because I know that I can mess stuff up. Do we have this vision of God? Is our vision of God clear enough to where we say, Lord, I give you my selfish ambitions. I give you my selfish desires. I give you my desire to be seen as great before people. And I beg you to give me a desire to make you great before the nations. In order to have the desire, we must have a picture of God. That is clear. We must meditate on the person of God or the person of Christ. Augustine did that in his book, Confessions. Thought about God and he was used by God to do some radical things for God. Some things that is benefiting the church today. And in reflecting upon God in his book, he says this of God. You, my God, are supreme utmost in goodness, mightiest in all powerful, most merciful and most just, most just. You are the most hidden from us and yet the most present among us, the most beautiful and yet the most, the strongest. You are ever enduring and yet we cannot comprehend you. You are unchangeable and yet you change all things. You are never new, never old and yet all things have new life. From you, you, you're the unseen power that brings the client upon the proud. You are my God, my life, my holy delight. But is this enough to say of you? For even those who are most gifted with speech cannot find the words to describe you. Oh, that God would bless this church. The vision of God that allows us to meditate on God that way. With the vision of God that allows us to write a, a love song, a, 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 a love a poem to him that just says, God, you are you. And it makes me want to hide myself in you. Human wisdom. Seen when we live life for ourselves, heavenly wisdom is only experienced when we decide to live our lives God's glory. Let's look at these two and compare them a, a little closer. We see that James continues and in verse 14, 15, and 16, he looks at some attributes of human wisdom. We'll go through these really quickly. Verse 15 says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. <laughs> Talking about jealousy and selfish ambition. That term selfish ambition was often used in Greek literature just to describe a politician who was only driven to receive power and didn't care about the country in which he was serving. He goes on and he says, this is not the wisdom that is, comes down from above, but it is earthly. Look at the three things he used to describe human wisdom. It is earthly, it is unspiritual, and finally, it is demonic. <laughs> uses three terms. He says it is earthly, it is unspiritual, and it is demonic. When we look at the world and we look at the pictures that the world is presenting and the lifestyle that the world is presenting and the message that the world presents, we must see it first as earthly. As earthly. As, as, as human oriented, as, as, as not magnifying or, or glorifying, being glorifying to God, it is earthly. There's a lot of people who seem to have a, a lot of wisdom who have done some great things, who most people would say they were wise people whom God would look at and say that they were fools. And the reason why God would say that they are fools and the reason why the church needs to be, be able to identify the difference between wisdom because we don't want to be caught up in, in thinking and idolizing a person who, who really wasn't wise at all. True wisdom comes from us being able to see and accept what God allowed Christ to do on Calvary's cross. 
If a person does not see and accept what God allowed Christ to do on Calvary's cross, then a person truly have not experienced wisdom. And we see this in the life of Mohandas Gandhi, the modern day leader or the one who, who found modern day India. He was a man who most people would consider to be a very wise person. He dedicated his life to a cause, and, and as a result of his dedication, he was able to win a, a, whole, a whole nation, liberation and freedom. But yet, Gandhi was quoted as saying this about the cross of Christ. He said, I could accept Jesus as a martyr, an embodiment of sacrifice, and a divine teacher, but not as the most perfect man ever born. His death on the cross was a great example to the world, but that there was anything like a mysterious or miraculous virtue in it, my heart cannot accept. My heart cannot accept. A man that the world would most definitely call or see as wise is a man that rejected the very message of the Christian faith. Paul says to the Corinthians, the message that we have received, the message of the cross, that it is true wisdom, but yet it is folly to the natural person. A natural person cannot understand heavenly wisdom. They are earthly. They are motivated by self-gratification and self-glory. Not only is human wisdom earthly, but human wisdom is also unspiritual. Human wisdom takes us away from true spirituality. And we have a lot of people who walk around and who live claiming to be spiritual. So watch a CNN the other day and someone was on there talking to, to Larry King about religion. And they had a, a title up there for him as a spiritual advisor. And I was trying to just understand, number one, what spirit was he talking about and, and just where did he stand? He just was mixed in all kind of views and twisted and going, I'm saying, how are you a spiritual advisor and you believe that every spiritual sect has some good or in some way is right? And a lot of us, we know people like that who say, you know what? I'm, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. Oh, why don't you come to church? Oh, I'm not religious. Oh, no, 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 no. Church is not for me. I'm, I'm spiritual. A true spiritual person is a person who understands the creator of our, our soul, the person who understands the greatest and, and only true sovereign spirit, which is God. Amen. Spirituality is what got us to this point that we are in today. <laughs> Eve was trying to be super spiritual in Genesis chapter 3. Amen. <laughs> we read, in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, what God does to people who seek to find spirituality outside of him. It says that, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and these things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their own thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. That's what we today would call a spiritual person. A person who doesn't just go by one truth, but a person who seeks harmony with all truth. And every religion has truth. A person who looks to created things and who, rather than worshiping the God who created all things, turns and worships created things. James is saying that for the church, 
we must understand that this is not true wisdom. A person who has an earthly religion, a person who has an unspiritual religion is a person who has not tasted from the wonderful buffet of heaven. Amen. Not only is it that, but James goes on to say that it is demonic. It is demonic. Satan is behind human wisdom. Satan is behind the, the, the theory of evolution. Darwin, I mean, Satan is the one who's behind it. Satan is the one who's constantly planting seeds into the earth, telling them that, that, that the way in which the world was created was through macroevolution. God is the one who is truly wise. And the Bible says that he takes the simple things of the wise and he uses it uh, of the earth and he uses it to, to confound the wise. He takes the simple things and he allows mankind for over 6,000 years to try to think of different creative ways to explain how everything started. When God is saying it's so simple, you are looking for something that I have already told you. I told you in Genesis chapter 1 that I did it. I told you that the only bang that there was was me opening my mouth and saying, let there be. And you still are trying to figure out how, how I could, how something could create, could come from nothing. God said, nothing cannot come from nothing. Nothing has to come from something. And I am that something, the one who is eternally existing in three persons. And I didn't just create the world and, and let it go, but I am the God who is ever present and ever active in the world. I am the one who has a sovereign plan for the world. Colossians says that I am the one who is making all things to point to Christ for in him and by him are all things. And we have people with White robes and glasses. Some people call them scientists. In labs, still trying to figure out how God created. And now they're selling lies to our children. And they're setting up colleges and, and universities to, to share lies to our kids and it is from Satan James goes on to say that true wisdom true wisdom is not from below it's not from the earth but true wisdom verse 17 is from above he says it is first pure and peaceable gentle open to reason full of mercy good fruits impartial and sincere he says, it is from above. James has already shared with us that, that, that statement of, of a good gift being from above. He said in James chapter 1, verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to changing. James is saying once again, remember that true Good, that, that any, any good gift is only from one person and that is from above. It's not from humanity. Amen. It's not from being a, a, a wise human apart from God. There is no wise person apart from God. Amen. Look at the qualities that he put. He says that the true wisdom from above it is pure. It is pure. The person has received heavenly wisdom. They're a person who is, is fighting and striving for, for purity. Their, their motives are pure. Their desires are, are pure. And we know that we're fallen human beings and that our desires is something that we have to wrestle with day in and day out. But, but they are, are fighting for that pureness. They're fighting for, for they're, they're peaceable. And I believe that this is the crux of what James is trying to say here. He sandwiches this, this message of wisdom uh, right after talking about the tongue and right before talking about what is behind every argument. He, he is saying that when there is dissension in the body of Christ, it is because there are people who don't have pure motives. Glorifying God is not the motive. When two people stand up in, in the house of God and they're bickering and arguing and trying to one-up each other, James is saying, it's not because you are operating in true 
wisdom is because you want to be great in the sight of others. When a husband is, is fighting and arguing with his wife and, 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 and shutting his wife out, he is not operating in heavenly wisdom from above. He's operating in human wisdom. When, when a wife is, is putting down her husband and there's tension at the kitchen table and neither of them can, can stand one another, this is not a, a heavenly wisdom. This is not pure. This is not peaceable. This is not gentle. This is not a, 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 a wisdom that leads to being open to reason. This is a, a demonic attack that is from Satan. And we as Christians, we have to remind ourselves that we are called to walk in heavenly wisdom, not in earthly wisdom. We are called to, to beg God for that wisdom that allows us to, to, to be peaceable, to be gentle, to be full of mercy, to be full of good fruits, to be impartial, to be sincere. Does the person who knows you the best, are they able to say that about you most of the time? Is your husband, is your wife, is your children, is your co-workers, are they able to see these qualities about you most of the time? And not only are they able to see these qualities, not only are they able to identify these qualities, but are they able to identify that these qualities point to another person? Point to a sovereign creator who is above. As we look at this text, may we remind ourselves that as Christians, our lifestyle should be radically different than the world's. The way that we deal with problems should be radically different from the world. We should be able to deal with our problems in such a way that we actually profit from our problems. Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for the good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Are you profiting from your problems? <laughs> or does your problem cause you to respond as if someone who has not received wisdom from above? Or you say, Pastor Jamal, I, I look at my life and I see my life right now and I see that there's a possibility that I am not walking in and the wisdom that comes from God most of the time. I, I see myself as, as highly irritable. I see that behind everything is a selfish motive, that what is driving me uh, to do things is not, not glorifying God, but it's me being successful and me showing people that I'm really this great person. It's me. Uh, I'm, I'm driven, Pastor Jamal, by, by, by the thought of one day being able to drive back to where I grew up in a nice car and just circle the block a couple times and look at people and say, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's me. That's how I roll. I, I, I'm driven by that, Pastor. How in the world do I switch from having this humanistic wisdom to a heavenly wisdom? Well, I believe that the Bible says a lot about it, but, but three quick things that I believe that the Bible speaks often about. In order to have a, a heavenly wisdom, I believe that James would have most definitely known this as he soaked himself in the Proverbs. In order to receive this, this heavenly wisdom, the first thing that we have to do is we have to have a fear of God. Fear of God. We have to have a high respect of God. We have to, to reverence God. Proverbs often says this, but in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fools despise wisdom and instruction, a constant theme throughout the Proverbs. If we are going to have true wisdom that is from God, it, it starts with us having a, 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 a reverential view of God. It starts with us having a view of God that says, God, you are the most supreme authority. I was created by you. My life is to revolve around you and not you around my life. See? You do remember what we thought ages ago about the earth? Huh? You do remember how most of mankind walked around believing that the earth was the center of the universe and that the sun was revolving around the earth? And you do remember how we then discovered that the earth is the one that is revolving around the sun, that the universe is not just centered on the earth, but the earth is the one that's Many of us, we still have it backwards. We think that God is to revolve around us. 
We think that we are the center of the universe. And if things aren't going right, we can pout. We have the right to act a fool and indignant. We have the right to cut people off. We even have the right to get an attitude with God. An attitude with God. A person who fears God is a person who realizes that God is the son, <laughs> the S-O-N, amen, and that their lives is constantly revolving around his will and his glory. I always love when I'm driving and I see people just speeding. I mean, they're really negotiating with the law, you know. They're on the highway and they're just going. And I just always love when I can see them out my rear view. But I know that a police car is what's really holding up traffic. And they're just navigating through. And they pass you and they kind of look at you like, man, what's going on? And then you see the pause. <laughs> and everybody knows the pause, amen. Most of us, we have the pause about twice a week, amen. You know that pause? Where well, you realize that it's the cops right there that's slowing up traffic. <laughs> Why do they pause? Why do their hearts start beating rapidly? Why do they suddenly slam the brakes? It's because they fear the authority of that police officer. And a person, a person who has true wisdom is a person who lives daily knowing that God is omnipresent is a person who when they want to tell somebody off, they want to cop an attitude with somebody who stops and who pauses. Ooh, I would, but God is watching. person who's learned to control the tongue is a person who's learned to, to control the, the body who's beating their body in submission. I, I want to come over, but I can't. <laughs> you talking about it's just dinner. I know it's not just dinner. Last time I just had dinner. <laughs> it ended up being more than just dinner. God is not just present in the church. God is present in our bedrooms, in our bathrooms. We can hide under the covers. <laughs> David said, I can make my bed in hell. He says, but you are there. True wisdom starts when we understand that God is omnipresent. And we fear him, we respect him because we know the authority that he has. But, but not just the authority that he has, we know the beauty that he has. We know how awesome he is. We respect him because there is none like him. Somebody came out with a, a shirt when I was in college that said, Jesus is my homeboy. Everybody was rocking it around the college campus and thought it was cool. And I remember one day looking at it, Jesus is my homeboy. They got a little fickle picture of Jesus holding up a peace sign. I said, Jesus isn't your homeboy. I heard one gospel rap artist say, your homie ain't died for you. <laughs> Jesus is God's son. He is either your savior or one day your judge. Respect him. <laughs> many people that talk about Jesus, your homeboys, and many people who did not reverence him. Not only must we fear God, but quickly, the next point, we must pray to God for wisdom. A Christian is a person who is constantly begging God for wisdom. They're a person who, who doesn't just ask for wisdom or, or seek wisdom one time, but, but daily, throughout the day, they're begging God, Lord, give me wisdom. James has already established this point in James chapter 1, verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Anyone who lacks wisdom, let him ask God, and God gives it freely. Oh, that we all would pray to God daily, multiple times throughout the day. Lord, please give me wisdom. 
The person who does not have a prayer life that is constantly asking God not just to fix the problem but to give me wisdom as I navigate through the problem is a person who is dependent upon human wisdom. Oh, that we all may pray this prayer. Lord, give me wisdom. God will answer us when we pray for wisdom. For he said that he will not only give it to us, but he would give it to us generously. God told this to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, this is Jeremiah speaking, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. When God gives us wisdom, may we not take credit for the wisdom that he gives. May our boasts be in him. And finally, a person who is to walk in heavenly wisdom is a person who is seeking God. They are a person who is seeking God. They They are seeking this wisdom. They see it as a precious treasure. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, the word of God says, he says, My son, if you receive my words... And treasure my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. God wants us not only to just fear him, not only to just pray for wisdom, but he wants us to seek Wisdom, to diligently seek for wisdom. And how does one seek for wisdom in the Proverbs? He says we, 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 we seek wisdom when we are seeking his word, when we are receiving his word, when we are treasuring up his word, when we are making uh, our ears attentive to his word. When we're crying out, he says they are the one who calls out, who are crying out for insight and raising their voice for understanding. I don't care what situation you're in, if it's big, if it's painful, I don't care how horrible it is, if you seek wisdom, if you cry out for wisdom, if you dig for wisdom from God's word, God will give it if you fear him and love him. A lot of people don't seek out wisdom because they don't want to dig. You have a lot of people who are being destroyed because of laziness. Isn't that what the prophet said? My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Proverbs said, if you truly want wisdom, if you truly want knowledge, you have to seek for it. As a man seeks for silver, you have to dig. It's not us rushing through Sunday worship service. It's not us barely reading our Bible once a week reading a verse. It's not us talking about how much we love God and love the Bible. It's us getting in the Bible. It's us digging in. A person who is seeking silver is a person who goes beyond the ground level and who has to dig deep into the earth to find it. And if you want closeness and intimacy with God, We have to dig for it. We have to go into his word. We have to turn off our phones and turn off the television. And we have to concentrate on the words of God and say, God, give me wisdom. I I can't handle this. This marriage is getting to be too much. Give me wisdom. My child is running up my back and down my spine. Give me wisdom. These bills are killing me and I have no Peace, give me wisdom in your word. And the one who seeks, they will find and say, my child, remember that I am faithful. I am a reward of those who diligently seek me, who constantly and consistently seek me. But if you're looking for a quick fix, if you're looking for a quick fix, If you're looking to treat a symptom rather than the true problem, then you need to stay with human wisdom. 
by God's grace, he gives us that wisdom. Paul says, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, that it is the church's job to tell of the manifold wisdom of God. What happens when the church, what happens when the church no longer knows the manifold wisdom of God? When the church no longer operates off the wisdom of God, the church is no longer a true church. Oh, that we may be a church that seeks God's wisdom as individuals so that when we come together collectively that we would be able to live it out in such a way and put our gifts together in such a way that the world will see just the manifold wisdom of God, the wisdom of God that is constantly causing men to stumble, the wisdom of God that was revealed in Genesis chapter 3, but that was so wonderfully displayed and hidden that, that, that when it was fully revealed at the cross that even Satan couldn't recognize it, may we... May we as a church value God's wisdom more than we do possessions, more than we do people. May we give it more attention than we do even our problems. Let us pray. Father, we pray, Father, that you would just help us, Lord, to value your wisdom more than man's wisdom. Help us, Father God, not to look to celebrity personalities to define who we are and what we have and our worth. Help us to look to you, Father, and your wisdom and your word to define who we are. Help us to look away, Father, from this culture and help us to be conformed to the image of your Son, to be, to be transformed, Father God, by the renewing of our minds. Help us not to be like everyone else, but help us to stand up and to be who you have called us to be, to be in the world, but not of the world, to recognize that the, this world and the wisdom of this world, that it soon will cease, but that your wisdom, that your, your wisdom, Father God, is eternal, and that those who cling to your wisdom is, is those who will experience it for all eternity. Help us, Father God, to, to desire your wisdom, to look at our problems and look to solve it with your wisdom, not with our wisdom, not with repaying evil for evil, but with repaying evil with good. For we know that darkness cannot cast out darkness. Only light can do that. In Christ's name we pray.